Welcome to The Land Scene. I'm Lucy Solis, and this is a program dedicated to the people of our city. I wanted to create a place for us to have authentic conversations about the inspired stories, opportunities, and resources available right here in our town. As someone who has spent a portion of my life in poverty, I was able to change my trajectory through the help and the resources available right here in our community. I am proof that when we unify, our city and its people can rise together. Well, welcome to The Land Scene. I'm Lucy, and today in the studio, we have Mike McKessick from the Mikey23 Foundation. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, my name is Michael McKissick, as I said. Um, I'm from the Lansing area, born and raised. Started the Mikey 23 Foundation when my son Michael was murdered August 1st of 2015. And so what we try to do with um, our foundation is try to teach our youth um, how to communicate, um, not just uh, with the hammer. Even though our motto is, um, instead of picking up a gun to commit gun violence, pick up a hammer and build up your community. And so we started a foundation named after my son, Michael. His, he was named after me, Michael, but we called him Mikey, and it was 23 when he, when he was murdered. So that's why it's called the Mikey 23 Foundation. Wow, that's really powerful. Hmm. So tell me a little bit, you mentioned the hammer. Um, tell me a little bit about that. So I'm a contractor for the city of Lansing, uh-huh. and um, what I basically do is I, I have a family construction company, which is called McKissick Construction, mm-hmm. and my son, Michael, was working for the family construction company, and he was very good at his hands. And so we, decide, we decided to start training our youth, um, not just our youth, but adults too, because we got an apprentice program too with 18 and over, and then we have a, a youth program from 9 to 16. Oh, that's wonderful. And so we, we teach them how to install windows, doors, um, siding, um, culture stone, concrete work, decks, uh, hanging cabinets, flooring, painting. And also we teach them the electrical plumbing in HVAC. So they get their hands, they get to touch every part of the aspects of a house and what it's like to remodel a house and how to build a house also. Wow. So I actually have had the opportunity to see one of the houses um, that you were working on, and I've seen the kids. So how does one, how do, you, how do you connect with the youth? How do you get them involved? So when we started, so we started the, the youth program years ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've noticed about our youth, because even in my neighborhood, because I stay on the south side of Lansing, mm-hmm. one of the things I've noticed that, um, I come from an era that it takes a village to raise a child. I come from that era. Literally, I seen and, and lived when neighbors seen me doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. They put me in my place. My parents got home. They did the same thing. Our community has gotten away from that, um, meaning that when we see kids walking in our neighborhood, we, we don't say hi to them. We just go about our business. We need to get a chance to get to know them. Mm-hmm. And so... These kids come from, when I started the Mikey 23 Foundation Youth Program, um, the kids came from all over, and it's about word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, We really don't advertise, so to speak, um, but it's about parents telling the next parents that my child is involved in this program, my child is involved in this program, or the kid will say, you know, I'm involved in Mikey 23 program. They have taught me X, Y, and Z. We had, last year, we had one incident that happened. I can't mention the child's name because they're underage, but one particular incident happened. Um, one child was joining, wanted to join, well, his parents wanted him to join the Mikey 23 Foundation. He didn't want to do it during the summertime. And so his mother made him. So when he started, he loved it. So today, he's one of our top-notch students. Not just that, one kid, before, prior to him coming to Mikey 23, a kid was trying to pull him into um, gang activities doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And so the kid that was trying to pull him in, the gentleman trying to do wrong, he seen what his buddy was doing in the Mikey 23 Foundation. He asked his uncle, can I join the Mikey 23 Foundation? And so he also is one of our top-notch students today. You know, he got away from that lifestyle um, doing wrong, and now he's and he actually doing good in school. And we're very proud of the both of them. So it's... um. We always say if we can breathe on the next person on a positive note, then therefore it's, it gets contagious, and then therefore they will always come to the Mikey Twenty Three Foundation. And it's, it's and it's not just about building and teaching them; it's about mentoring and and earning that trust amongst our youth. 
And giving them a skill, it changing is. the trajectory. Yep. Like you said, they were in the gang life and yes. then you change the trajectory to know that there's more out there. That's right. After that is fantastic. That's right. So you're in the community a lot. What does community service mean to you? Giving back. Mm-hmm. So uh, my son, um, you really don't know what type of child you raise until somebody else come and tell you about your child because you see your child in the house all the time, but when they go about, you know, in their daily life, you know, you don't know until somebody said, well, your child is, did this X, Y, and Z. So really I'm, I'm bringing that up. It's only because Michael um, helped this elderly lady out one day. He met her at the grocery store mm-hmm. and she was ahead of him and she was short on money. And Michael came out of his pocket to pay the balance of it. And them two became friends. But Michael never came back home and told his mother. Now, he never said, Mom, look what I did. So every two weeks, he was bringing her grocery. He found out what she liked and never charged her. So shortly after his, about a week or so after his uh, funeral, the lady found my wife and I and said, you know, um, she came over to her house and one of her grandkids brought her over to the house and said, listen, thank you for your, thank you for your son. This is what he did for me. And Michael never came home to did that. So community service, uh, what we have done to the Mikey 23 Foundation, giving back, right? So we know that certain elder elderlies need help in their homes. They're staying in their homes, right? And they can't afford the minor repairs, doors, windows, and paint and things of that nature, or even more in the grass, or even snow removal. So what we have started in the Mikey 23 Foundation, we have started a program that we're, especially this Fox is coming up, we're, we're teaching them how to give back, even though we paid them um, to learn a trade. But that particular weekend, they have to get back. They don't get paid. So we're starting a program of helping elderly that can't afford to do minor repairs in their homes. So it will be actually next month when the kids will start for our program. And we have an elderly, uh, dis- uh, she's, dis- she's dis- disabled, mm-hmm. and she- we will be working on her house. And this will be our first time. So I told the parents that this is the, one of the criteria of signing up for Mikey 23, that we have to learn how to give back um, to our to our community and this is part of community service yeah kind of yeah. like your son kind of started that trend yeah, on did. that right that that's so wonderful that had to just make yeah. your heart feel yeah, oh my gosh it made my heart beat when i yeah. heard that yeah. um so with the kids i'm thinking of the kids when i'm out in the community because i do a lot of community work how do we get the message to kids that want to be involved in something like this so what you want to do um we go, we go speak to churches also, too. Um, and then we go to the Islamic centers. And then, you know, we're trying to get out to the, all the other communities. And a lot of kids, they knew, they may not want to attend college, right? right. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a college degree in computer science, which is Cobalt Pesco RPG, which is old ancient language that nobody even heard of. Um, but I, learned, I love to work with my hands. And certain mm-hmm. kids may want to work with their hands and they can make a good living out of it. And mm-hmm. some of them can make a good living out of it more so than individuals has um, have a college degree. And therefore, getting into trades is a very positive thing because you get into trades or the apprentice program, you don't have to pay for none of that. You don't have no debt. You get paid to get trained. And so therefore, it's a win-win. It's a win-win for the, the kids the parents that doesn't have to come out of pocket to pay a college mm-hmm. fee and things mm-hmm. of this nature. So in order to get the word out for these youth, um, it's always about what we're doing now, talking about it now, mm-hmm. um, through this podcast and letting them know that this program is available if your child wants to get involved. And I'm talking about from young ladies into, into young men. And we also, this is our first year, we're teaming up with Lansing Promise also too. And what that basically looks like is that um, the kids that wants to have um, go to school, work the work study experience, they can go half day at school and then come for the rest of the day, remaining time and come with the Mikey 23 Foundation. So we have three students signed up already this fall. So um, matter of fact, one just yesterday, and her name is Elise, and um, she's um, and she's and she's very, I'm very smart, you know, very smart, and um, and she speaks three different languages too. So it kind of blew my mind that she does that. But anyway, and so this is our way of um, spreading the word out and we also we attended Lansing Lansing Eastern invited us prior to school starting to to present our program to the students and that's where we met um, her from that particular um, event right there so these are our one of our ways of trying to reach out to our students that's so awesome so it's co-ed yes, which it is. is very it, very it is. awesome it is so let me ask you a question so once they get into the what's the age First of all, they start off from nine years old. Or, um, well, so there's two programs. Well, okay. there's three different programs total. Okay. 
you have the apprentice program, which is 18 and up. They have to have a GED and um, 18 and up. Okay. They can get an apprentice program. Okay. Um, and then they have the youth program. The youth program is um, generally during the summertime. We had them on two days a week. But now that the school has started, we're, we're only having them on weekends, which is on Saturdays. Um, but however, we have, which that, that, that age group is from 9 to 16. Okay. okay, but the high schools on the ones that have work experience, they can only be in high school because of the works in Monday through Friday. They only can um, attend that from their ages as far as that, which is a high school is from that in that regards. So once, so if you're in the nine to sixteen program, once you're done with that, do they go to the eighteen and up one? That's that's up to them. That's that's up, up to is them. that like a continuation yeah, from the first is. program? It okay. is. So what is so we have summer. We have all four season program, which is summer, fall, winter and spring, all four seasons that we go through. Um, and this way it gets, so like we have um, uh, 10 students now mm -hmm. that has been with us ever since the beginning of last year. And so they they have learned how to framing, um, citing, um, HVAC. Now we're in the process of learning them, uh, teaching them uh, electrical and plumbing. And so the new, the new students that will come in will start from the beginning because we have to learn safety, right? Because the most important thing in construction is safety. So we teach them the safety parts of, of construction. And then the next aspect is um, how to run power tools, right? And then the next thing, how to use a measuring tape, right? You got to know how to use a measuring tape because you cut all, all, all the lumber if I give you a number, you know, because lumber is expensive these days. Yes, and so we teach them all the basic. Then they advance to the other programs that we have. And then once they finish all three programs, do they get a certificate? They do. They do know. So when they complete, like we just had the summer, the spring program, mm -hmm. and that was installing windows. And so they got a certificate on how to professionally install the window. Everybody said they can install the window, but I don't know if anybody's out there listening. So if you ever in the wintertime, you're sitting by a window and you feel that breeze come through the uh, by the window, that's because it wasn't insulated around and it wasn't installed correctly. Um, and so therefore we teach them the correct way and how to install windows. Oh, so mine weren't. That's why I put the tape, the <laughs> yeah. plastic around mine <laughs> in the winter time. So that's awesome. So then, and then you work with the Lansing Promise, which is phenomenal because yes. I've done a lot of work with yes. Justin, who's awesome. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So then with the Lansing Promise, does that help them get into a program after high school? Yes. Yeah, so like if they want to go so to like exactly. LCC yeah. or to... Or to our apprentice to your, program, oh, to our apprentice vote. program okay. also. They okay. can go to LCC also too, but they can get off into um, our apprentice program if they move, they want to move forward okay. with that because this is what they do. Ours is like 3,000 hours, 3,500 hours that they got to complete in order to get their okay. apprentice in, into our program. And this way, it's a win-win. It's a and it's a win-win for the whole community too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, like Mikey 23, we literally take houses, you know, that and all the houses that we have worked on since we started Mikey 23, all of them was on the demo list. I mean, that means that the city had them on the list and they was getting ready to tear them down because it was too much money or nobody wanted them and it was gonna, they're going to be torn down. So we came, um, Mikey 23, uh, come to a neighborhood like right we work working on now in Rundle. Um, we come through there and, 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 and take a house that is an eyesore and and make it so beautiful that the, the the whole neighbors is really thankful that that we're coming through to do that and they they're very helpful the neighbors are very helpful they they bring drinks and chips and and they even take pictures of themselves uh -huh. or the kids so we really appreciate so they're the thankful you're they fixing are. up that they house are. and they i are. think that's the house i it is i visited it yeah, is it is yeah. and it is we are um we are almost done with the outside because we're trying to get everything enclosed on the outside so that we can really start working on the inside when the weather gets um, when the weather gets cold. So next week we'll be uh, learning how to pour concrete driveway. And so, oh, nice. yeah, so they're going to learn how to finish concrete. And um, and cause we teach them all those trades. I mean, literally everything that has to do with construction. You know, we live, we give them so they can put their hands on each. And then we teach them how to run a, a skid loader, which is a, is a name for the bobcat or or some some machine like that. We teach them how to uh, use that. We taught them. Tell uh, me about a bobcat. What is a bobcat? Well, okay, it's a skid loader. <laughs> a skid loader basically it's like a um, uh, a backhoe. You know, if you've seen, um, so we driving around the city of Lansing, right? right? So we have so many rows that tore up, right? So we, you see them yellow machines out there? Yes. That they're using. Yeah. Those they have different names. Um, you have uh, you have a front end loader and then you have a, a skid loader, and then you have a bobcat. So they have all three of those machines. When you, you're going around the city of Lansing, and on yellow, on big yellow machine, that's what those are. And that's what you're teaching. And that's, that's what that's we teach. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, we taught we taught 
eight of them last year and how to run a skid loader. And that's a smaller version of the big machines that they got out there. So that's a smaller version. So just let your parents know out there we are, it's all about safety. So we make sure that this is, is, we teach them about safety also too. Speaking of safety, um, so do they take some type of safety class prior to this? So again, everything's about um, safety, safety, safety. You know, we teach them about what would happen if this happens in you in a, in a construction site. You step on a nail, um, anything like that. So we make sure, so we have the liability insurance also too, the Mikey 23, but we make sure that the parents have the medical insurance too. So the, we want to cover both aspects of it. And so we teach them that why, if you see a nail that's in a board that's sticking up, um, mm-hmm. we teach them that turn it over or bend it over so that the next person may not see it, right? Um, we teach them to make sure you clean up your area first. You make sure your area is cleaned up because when you're stepping over something, you may in- accidentally trip over that and we want to teach them that when you when you're running power equipment or any any equipment like that make sure you have safety glasses on because it's easy you can put your eye out Mm -hmm. Uh, we teach them we give them we we provide them all the boots the safety gear the say you know all the tools and things that we provide everything for them to 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 have to make sure they're safe and make sure that they're doing the job properly and that's all part of the program you provide all that because that's that's probably means a lot to a lot of parents that's part of it yeah so it's no cost to the parents that's phenomenal and we feed them too oh that's good (laughs) (laughs) so if the community wanted to support the mikey 23 foundation how would they do that a lot of a lot of parents and a lot of community people ask that question Mm -hmm. and um it ain't necessarily monetary to bring money sometimes it can be bringing lunch all right. Um, some people bring cookies and sweets and things of that nature. Um, you can, you know, certain things if you think a child needs, um, if you want to just say, well, I want to go to um, a place to buy them some boots or buy some gloves or buy a hat or buy a jacket and, and things of that nature. You don't necessarily have to say, well, I'm going to give you money to go purchase these. I mean, you can go get them yourself. Um, so, but if you want to do monetary, you know, it's real simple. Um, you can log on to Mikey23Foundation.org and you can donate from that. And we, we are at 501 and we're tax exempt so that you can have that written off on your taxes if, if someone chooses to want to do it that way. Or you can, and you, or you can just volunteer, right? You can mm-hmm. come in, parents can come or, or anyone can just come and volunteer. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the last question I have for you is, can you repeat the website again if people want to get more information on yes, that? Yes, uh, that's M-I-K-E-Y, the number 23foundation.org. That's Mikey23foundation.org. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing this information on your foundation. We really, really appreciate all you do for the community. Seriously, it's, it's so wonderful well, to see you. the kids. I've personally seen them, and I can't thank you enough for being a part of Lansing. All right, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to The Land Scene. Music for The Land Scene provided by Joystack. For more information, go to joystack.org. To listen to this episode and others on demand, visit lccconnect.org. If you have a story to share or would like to be a guest on the show, let me know. I'm Lucy, and thanks once again, Capital City. It means so much to me to have the support of our community. Remember, when unified, our city and its people can rise together. Sharing the voices of Lansing Community College. Visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. The Cesar Chavez Learning Center's Access Program at Lansing Community College creates a community on campus for underrepresented students, providing them with a support network and multiple layers of academic, social, and professional experiences. Access also incorporates workshops and resources that assist in educational and career advancement. To find out more about Access, visit lcc.edu and search Access Program. 
Hey, parents, finding it hard to communicate with kids in today's world of ever-changing slang? Hi, son. Excuse me? Introducing the Communicizer. Just strap non-toxic Communicizer to your mouth and go from boring old man speak. Oh, you know, I'm here if you want to talk. To 100% off the chain. Text me whenever, yo. It's that easy. Thanks to Communicizer, I'm relevant to my kids again. I mean... I'll fly, boo. And now when you buy Communicizer, you get the auto-tune attachment free. Sounds so hip-hop, your kids will want to talk to you for hours. I used to have to walk three miles uphill to school every morning short day. I love you, Dad. I love you too, son. Communicizer is not available in stores because it doesn't exist. But that's okay. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Because kids in foster care don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to adoptuskids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council. Thank you for listening to LCC Connect. I'm Paul Schwartz, and I host a show called The Safety Plan. The Safety Plan is about the latest cyber scams and how to avoid them. You can catch The Safety Plan here on LCC Connect or listen anytime at lccconnect.org. The Lansing Community College Foundation provides scholarships that make education possible, change students' lives, and uplift our community. The foundation annually accepts scholarship applications from November through January. Learn more at lcc.edu slash scholarships. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. You're listening to Art Happens Here, the podcast that explores the often curious and occasionally amazing art installations on, in, and around the campuses of Lansing Community College. I'm your host, Bruce Mackley. It's early March of 2017 and it's raining. I'm headed to work at Lansing Community College's downtown campus. At the time, my role was as creative director, and I was involved in various campus beautification projects. They were all different. I'm using the word work lightly, but I'll get back to that later. I get a call and was asked how quickly I could mock up some design ideas for this thing that was recently donated to the college. I'm already on the highway, so I may as well proceed to our west campus to check it out. That's where it was. The thing in question was a retired, decommissioned manufacturing robotic arm. Very unique, very singular in its presence. Uh, let's see if I can describe this thing. It was about nine feet tall, you know, with the, the orange paint, the, the do not get near me orange paint. It was old. I mean, it was, uh, it had almost a uh, retro 50s futuristic vibe, if you know what I'm saying. Whatever it did, nobody knew. I mean, the end of it, the, the tip of the arm had been um, taken off. So there it sat. Uh, the intent was for this object to become an art object representative of the college's technical expertise in an artistic way, kind of a beacon to uh, reside outside the doorway of our brand new Center for Manufacturing Excellence, which is uh, it's a multi-million dollar robotics training facility at LCC West. The only one of its kind in the Midwest, I understood at the time. I think back to a former life in the uh, late 80s as a line worker in Lansing's Fisher Body Plant. I was an automotive coach builder for General Motors. My first encounter with manufacturing robots was at a section of the line known as the Spider Assembly. There were eight welding robots, four situated on each side of the assembly line. The car chassis would come through and stop, and each arm would dart around and quickly and precisely join its designated seams with welds. Each frame took, um, I, don't, I don't think they took more than 30 seconds each. It was amazing. I can remember the sound of multiple hydraulics and the snapping and crackling of the welding, and the smell of grease and scorched metal. For whatever reason, there wasn't much lighting other than, you know, the showers of sparks coming off the things. Uh, there was yellow painted warning lines on the floor to keep the humans clear of the action. Well, and at a distance at any rate, the entire production resembled an enormous upside down mechanical spider. At that time, it looked like something out of a science fiction movie. Anyway, the machine I was standing in front of at West seemed categorically different than what I remembered from the welding bots. I mean, I suppose if they fed one steroids or something, you know, we'd get this, but who knows what it did. At any rate, I took some pictures, uh, headed back, took some pictures of the outside of the CME, and I mocked up what this might turn into. For as long as I can remember, I've been infatuated with the Tron movies. 
you know, first the, the first Tron in the 1980s and then the reboot. Mainly for the design, because I'm a sucker for keen art direction, and there was nothing else like it. And I thought, given the lines of our, our, our giant beast, maybe some of that could be translated graphically to this thing. I mocked something up, it went over okay, and the next phase was to figure out how to do it. Every one of these projects had a different flair, different expectations, different challenges. It was at once exciting and frightening. I always went back to one of my standout quotes, argue for your limitations and you get to keep them. So we had to figure this out. And the first thing was to remediate that hideous orange paint. It looked like it had been through a war. There was a company that we used at the time. Um, they helped us out with several, several uh, projects on campus that were specialists at doing this. Uh, the facility was like, I mean, amazing facility for paint and refinishing and so on. So two and a half tons of robotic arm got loaded on a flatbed truck with a crane. Off it went. You know, there were things that they had to do to it. Uh, first thing first, they had to weld the joints together. They didn't want it to articulate anymore. It had to be a sculpture, a solid sculpture. And next was to, to drain it. I mean, there was grease and oil seeping out of this thing. I still don't know how they did it. I mean, imagine having to do that to clean it up, to get it prepped for paint. They suspended it, bead blasted it down to the metal, primed it, and applied the most amazing, beautiful, deep blue metallic paint. Clear coat. I mean, just stunning. This midnight blue, right? I mean, the day came when the paint cured, and I had, at the time, while the painting was going on, I was um, designing the graphics, you know, and what were the graphics going to be? Kicked around the idea of using fluorescent paint, you know, and stent, you know, frisk it and airbrushing this thing, and, you know, I didn't want to put a knife on any of that, uh, that clear coat finish and disturb it. What we figured was appliques, stickers, uh, but then again, Michigan's weather, you know, the freeze and thaw cycle and the heat and the, and the cold. How long would these things last if we went that route? Well, one of our other vendors, uh, a display company, uh, recommended this uh, material from 3M. It was top drawer. It was industrial strength, reflective adhesive vinyl. And it was a real deal. I mean, um, white, it had like a metal flake in it, a white flake in it. Um, our goal was for this thing to just light up anytime headlights hit it out in the parking lot. So while the beast was being painted, I, um, I was designing graphics in Adobe Illustrator on you know, the computer, the line work, and took the file, had the uh, graphics converted to for a plotter that trimmed those shapes out of the white 3M material. So I had a few sheets of these things, and they looked like odd shapes, donuts and hot dogs and weird lines and everything that I had designed according to the various services on the, on the arm, on the robotic arm. Uh, next step was uh, the best, uh, the funnest. It was me uh, on the floor, you know, three days on a filthy garage floor applying stickers to a giant robotic arm. I was a blast. I will not kid you. I mean, I, at one point I stopped and I said, I'm actually getting paid to do this. This is work, you know? What that process reminded me of was, um, you know, as a kid, you know, you put together these models, you know, cars or planes or whatnot, you know, the, the plastic models you glue together. And the best part, for me, the best part was putting the stickers on at the end. There was something ceremonial about it, right? And uh, that's what this reminded me of, but on a much, obviously a much grander scale. Got to know a lot of the guys at this, at this shop, and they were, uh, started out pretty concerned that I'd mess up their paint job. But uh, after a couple days, they, they saw the direction I was going in. And it really took on, took on some personality, and it turned out okay. It was installed. The flatbed truck came back with the crane, and there were hooks built into this beast to lift it. Not surprisingly, how else are you going to get it around? Out at west, in front of the CME, a pedestal was poured, a big circular pedestal, and power was brought in. An important note to make was what to put on the end of this thing. All this while, there were faculty and staff members at our technical careers division who were designing and fabricating a claw with a lightsaber or an approximation of a lightsaber. You're familiar with the Star Wars franchise, who isn't? You know, something from my original mock-up. They built this thing. They ran conduit through the arm. Um, the claw itself was machined from a single piece of aluminum, block of aluminum. Really cool. I mean, to have these tools, creatively speaking, at your disposal, it just, um, 
it's mind-bending you know, possibilities, right? So they were working on that. Uh, they had um, a long rod of polycarbonate, hollow polycarbonate, with uh, they installed LEDs, and uh, that was installed on the tip of the arm, and the conduit was run through the machine, down through the uh, the port pedestal. So, yeah, it's there. You know, they bolted it down. Uh, it lights up. Yeah, at night it's lit up, and you walk by it, and you can't not look at it. it there's something, it's something uniquely weird about it. And it was it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. That was five years ago, and uh, I was out there just last week. I enrolled for a creative welding class. Amazing facility, by the way. And um, I thought, oh, check this out. I walked up to it because I was curious. I wanted to see if the stickers had started cracking or whatever. Nope. Still looked like new. The stuff was outperforming everything, and it was uh, definitely the right way to go. So, um, if you're ever on West Campus, uh, check it out. Tron meets the Iron Giant. If you want to check out what I've been talking about, just visit this episode at lccconnect.org. Edwin Land once said, Industry is best at the intersection of science and art. Art Happens Here is a production of LCC Connect. Thanks for lending us your imagination. Keep connected with LCC Connect at lccconnect.org. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's dual enrollment program offers the opportunity for qualified high school students to earn college credit while working towards their high school diploma. Dual enrollment lets students receive educational advancement in areas where the student's interest is displayed, especially in courses and academic areas not available in the student's high school. To find out more information about dual enrollment, visit lcc.edu. Are you among the millions of Americans living with chronic pain? If so, you may think prescription opioids are the solution. The truth is, the benefits of opioids are limited. Opioids only mask the pain. Opioids also come with serious side effects, ranging from nausea to withdrawal symptoms to overdose. As many as 25% of people who are prescribed opioids struggle with addiction. And those who are addicted to opioids are 40 times more likely to move on to heroin. No one wants to live in pain, but no one should put their health at risk to be pain-free. There is another choice, physical therapy. Physical therapists treat pain through movement and exercise, no warning labels required. And you get to be an active participant in your care. Choose to treat your pain safely. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist near you. This public service announcement is brought to you by the American Physical Therapy Association. Hi, I'm Melissa Kaplan, and I host a show called Galaxy Forum on LCC Connect. It's all about the creativity in our classrooms and on campus here at LCC and the connections we have with the community. You can catch Galaxy Forum here on LCC Connect or listen anytime at lccconnect.org. Lansing Community College's Fresh Start program forgives outstanding student balances, allowing students to re-enroll without penalty. Fresh Start does not apply to student loan creditors. Learn more at lcc.edu slash fresh start. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hello, friends, and welcome to Coach Cuts Corner. Streaming bright from Michigan's capital city, this podcast is dedicated to helping you better understand the who, the what, and the why of mental performance, personal growth, and Lansing Stars baseball. Coach Cuts Corner, brought to you by Iwash. In collaboration with Lansing Community College. 
And now here's your host, Stephen Cutter. Welcome back or welcome to Coach Cuts Podcast. I'm Stephen Cutter and today I'm joined in studio by Hayden Modaff. Coach Modaff is an assistant coach and our recruiting coordinator, along with being an elite level academic advisor here at LCC. <laughs> welcome to the show, Mo. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me back. We just got back from a, a long road trip in Ohio and got back late at night and early in the morning. So caffeine's rolling. So today we're going to talk about high performance in teams, what little bit we do know about that, a little bit about winning, not just on the right side of the scoreboard and some mental performance stuff. So uh, let's, let's get rolling. You know, when I talk about mental performance, you know, you've, you and I have been together for a, a number of years now, but when we talk about mental performance, one of the biggest things to understand with mental performance is it's a muscle. It's, something that can be grown. The only way that you're going to grow it is by constantly working on it. Yeah. You can't uh, just drop out mental performance one time in the fall and one time in, at Christmas and, you know, and so on and so on and think like you're going to do really well. You, you have to consistently work on mental performance and on, on your mind and you're going to really find out how well you've been working on it or how much you've been working on it when you kind of get smacked in the face mm -hmm. and seeing how people react. Uh, was mental performance, you, you were a college athlete at one point, was mental performance really even on the spectrum at that point? Because we're not talking about, you know, 30 years ago, we're, mm -hmm. we're talking about, you know, less than 10 years ago. What, what was that like? Yeah, my, my freshman year uh, with Coach Pullman at Muskegon, we it was very elementary. It was very much what was you know taught in the '70s and and all that. Where it was, we did it once a week. Where we did tapping. He taught us tapping to relieve stress. Okay. Um, and then and then it transitioned to usually what I think most people believe mental performance to be when you hear about it with coaching, where it's we'll run you and and mental toughness and. My sophomore year was a lot of that. It was, you know, we'll run three or four miles, we'll sprint. That's going to build the mental toughness, and which it doesn't. No. But we have Brian Kane. We're yep. we're extremely fortunate to have somebody like Brian Kane in house. Uh, he's a huge asset to our team. I remember I found Kane when I got into the sports coaching world, yep. and I was trying to figure out how to be different and how to be the best baseball coach that I could possibly be, and whether it was going to be a pitching coach, a hitting coach, a, you know, whatever it might be. And I I knew that the mental performance side was one of the easiest things to get into because it wasn't well known and yeah. uh, people looked at it as you, you needed to be a psychologist to be able to do this kind of stuff and I got on Google and I, I started searching and I come across Brian Kane and yeah. and you know years later to see him fly into Lansing <laughs> and you know not only uh just leave the crowd wowed at our first pitch dinner with mm -hmm. all the stuff that he did. You know, I'm disappointed that you weren't on the stage eating fire along with me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that that was special. But then the next day, you know, he spent he spent quite a bit of time with our team, with our coaching staff, yeah. with our, our leadership committee, with, you know, just all this different stuff. That's what mental performance looks like is, you know, Brian left a lot of stuff on he you know he took a whiteboard and did a lot of writing for us yeah. and and he got into uh performance pathways and and what mm -hmm. things look like have you actually seen things come to fruition from the mental performance side where you're constantly repping out stuff and then you see results of it because sometimes with mental performance or a lot of times with mental performance you're not able to take a grade. You're not able to get a grade on it. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's hard to measure at times. But have you have you seen where things have come through for people that have worked on mental performance very intentionally? Yeah. An example that I saw yesterday was uh, one of our one of our players. He'd had two or three really poor at bats in a row, and then it kind of carried over to his fourth at bat, and he was down 0-2. It swung at some really really poor pitches that were way out of the zone. Saw him step out, look at the left field foul pole, do his reset, take a deep breath. Next pitch, he battled it off, came back, did another left field reset, and he banged one off the fence. Next pitch, got a hanger, drove in two runs. So I've seen it 
you know, it's, it's something I believe. And one of the things that I, I felt most was, was last year, no matter how many runs we were down in the game, you know, it would be down seven, eight runs sometimes. And the belief was, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll get that back. It's seven or eight runs. And, and, you know, most teams that's, that's an absolute backbreaker. That game's over. You're already, all right, this plan, let's throw this a one way. What are we doing next? What are we doing next game? It's just a belief system and it's, it's mental performance. And it's, it's, you know, I really didn't understand it until I started working with you where it was what belief system based on winning is and how big a piece mental performance and the daily practice and repetition of it really plays in. And we're going to talk about winning today and and kind of what what drives winning. So when we get into that piece, you know, I I still go back to how important having other voices in the room are. As a head coach or a manager, you know, the players after a while will start tuning out pieces of what you're saying. But if you have somebody else in the room that's saying the same thing, and that's why having assistant coaches all on the same page, pulling the same rope, having somebody else in the room saying the same things, it might be in a little different uh, verbiage but it's the same stuff. And then yeah. you get somebody like Brian Kane that comes in and he's a, he's a national powerhouse when it comes to mental performance. Mm-hmm. And he's speaking the same stuff in a little bit different language, but he's saying the same stuff. It just drives a lot of things home. And he offered a, or he still does, but he offers a mental performance mastery course where you yeah. can, you know, pay X amount of dollars and you can get certified. And it's, it's a, fairly basic course, but it's a good way to get your, your feet wet. And, and, you know, I know our coaching staff has used it. And, and, you know, when I found Kane, I think my capacity for zero was very high. I was, I was willing to burn it all down to start again (laughs) as I was transitioning. So it didn't matter. So I I dove into Kane, dove into a lot of other special ones. And then yet today, here we are seven plus years later, we're, we're still using all of it. Yeah. And it's, it's not only in mental performance times, it's, it's all the time that that is happening all the time because we're coaching players that are playing a sport that is very mentally challenging because sure. of the amount of failures that happens. Um, before we get into winning, I want to talk about um, how, you know, yesterday was a really incredible transition for you because you're responsible for the streaming of our games. So you get the job of setting up the tripods and getting the cameras out and then getting the Wi-Fi going yeah. and getting the everything going. Um that can be a lot, especially when you're dealing with weather and wind and stuff. You ended up on top of a dugout yesterday. That was, uh, I I saw phones out. There was a lot going on there. (laughs) What was going through your head when uh, you got everything finalized and you got up on the dugout, but then you weren't really sure that you'd get back down. Yeah. The the coming down piece was tough. (laughs) Uh, I was trying to find a part of the grass to land on that looked like it wouldn't break my ankles. (laughs) And uh, I'll tell you like yesterday on the, I think in the halfway through the first game, I, I looked at you and I was just like, my bag's starting to tighten up because I uh, was refilling my water bottle. I dropped the cap and I went to pick it up and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh no. And uh, yeah, so so that was tough coming down. Uh, this morning, my left ankle is is not feeling well, but yeah, anything for the perfect shot, right? To- total juco, um, no, no ladders, just going <laughs> to yeah. climb fences. And, you know, that's, that is a nice setup for us. I, I think we got like a 30 or a 40 foot yeah. tripod that goes sick. up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit juco, but then it's also, it's, it was, uh, tied to the, the backstop with J band. Yeah. So, yeah. So. And we had a, don't forget the, uh, the termite infested yeah, the uh, table. wooden yeah. table yeah. that we had propping it up. Yeah. Very cool. So back to Kane, uh, there was a piece of mental performance in what we just talked about there, but Brian, um, on our whiteboards, he started laying out a performance yeah. pathway and it was stuff that we were already doing, but he just hit things home again. And if you want to have success and success is going to be derived as the results at the end. And those results may not be the right side of the scoreboard at all, but it's the results that you have every day. Um, are you going to win today? And and like I said, we'll get into winning here in a few minutes. But that performance pathway started with, with leadership. Mm-hmm. And he likes to say a thing that says coach fed, player led. And that's something that we've been doing for, you know, a few years now. And 
when you hear that coach fed player led, that's obviously different than a lot of other organizations. Um, mm-hmm. it, what's, what's coach fed player led mean to you? It's encouraging, it's encouraging ownership of their own careers. And, you know, I, I think it's really easy for someone to stray off that path. And, and that's where the coach fed part steps in where you're, you're getting them back on course and giving them kind of a gentle nudge and then hoping they take the reins and run with it. And generally they do in this program because of the type of kids we bring in and the type of leadership they face every day. And, you know, that's from you, that's from Greg or AD, that's from the administration as a whole. And then, you know, just continually putting up that guide rail and continually just giving those little nudges when they need them to, to keep the momentum up. And, and that's really coach fed player led to me. Yeah. With, with that, I, I believe that I can, or we can get them to do anything. Mm -hmm. We just can't get them to do everything. So those, those bumpers are very important and there's times that we have to let them lead. And sometimes they're leading in directions that we don't necessarily want them to lead in. That's not going to end up helping us with the results at at the end of the day, the end of the week, the month, the year, whatever else. But that's that's where that coach fed player led stuff comes in. Did you ever have a, a moment with coaching where maybe the first time that you truly, truly grasped what you know, coach fed player led was where you let a player take on a a bigger decision or play a bigger part in some sort of leadership stuff where kind of the light bulb switched for you. I don't know if there's a specific time. I think it always started with trying to lead. And and if you're going to lead, you need to lead by example. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to lead, you need to tell people what to do. And then (laughs) those people need to listen to what you're doing. And if they don't listen to what you're telling them to do, then they need to be reprimanded and they need to go out and run (laughs) polls. And, and then, um, you know, when they still don't listen, then, then you just start talking about how bad your culture is or how bad the kids are or whatever else. And, Anytime you can give people more ownership, yes, you you might get burned on it. They they might not follow through with what they're supposed to do. But if yeah. you can give them some more ownership, you'll find that people generally, in general, they're gonna they're gonna lead. Yeah. They they like that autonomy piece and they, they like the ability to to go out. So instead of dictating or managing everything, it's more or less letting letting the the players lead. And then as a coaching staff, we, we do a really nice job of just having those bumpers or their, those guardrails yeah. out. And we have to rein them back in at different points. It might be at, you know, at, at study table. It might be at practice. It could be at leadership. It could be in the community stuff we do. Absolutely. Um, it, it just It's one of those things. So that performance pathway really looks like four different things. It's leadership is the first, and then it goes to culture, which is the probably one of the biggest words used in sports today. It's really overused, but culture boils down to what does your environment look like? Culture is kind of the long game and environment is right now. And you really need to have a special environment if you're going to have special things happen. You can have the best players possible for whatever level that you're at but if you don't have good leadership and you don't have a good environment the at the end of the day those results are just not going to be very good Mm -hmm. and so we go from culture to behavior in our program we talk about top third behavior and bottom third behavior and top third behavior can be doing a lot of different things it can be winning your day is just getting up in the morning and making your bad or holding the door for somebody or when you walk past somebody greeting them with a hello or you know we just got back from the south from a a long almost two week spring trip and and we were staying in Biloxi Mississippi for a number of days and we happened to be right next to the beach and the boardwalk and every morning I would get up and I'd go for a walk down the boardwalk a because it was you know, 70 some degrees and, yep. and, and nice, but it was, it was a great opportunity to get out. And, and of course, when you have something like that, there are always people out, you know, doing the same thing. And 
I, I never passed anybody in any of those mornings. I only ran into a few people that I knew, which were parents that were following us and things like that. Yeah. But I never passed anybody that didn't look at me and say good morning or hello mm -hmm. or anything else, even when they had earbuds in or, or anything else. Yeah. And that's that Southern hospitality. And, and you kind of look at that and you're like, well, that's that's top third behavior. That That's For what sure. you want. That yeah. That is what you want. And you know, bottom third behavior is just somewhat being average and, and just doing what everybody else maybe is doing, or typically it's doing a lot less than what everybody's doing. But we define in our program as top third behavior, bottom third behavior. And then the final thing is, is what everybody starts really, in my opinion, coaching for is, is the results. And <laughs> so uh, when the season starts, we're focused on results. And, and if you forget about that pathway, which starts with leadership, coach-fed, player-led, culture or environment, mm -hmm. and then what type of behavior are they exhibiting, then the final is the results. Yeah. And you think about like some of the teams that you've either watched or you played on, how results-driven they are. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not that you don't want to pay attention to results, but it's that you're kind of getting the the cart in front of the horse mentality where yeah. you're, you're missing out um when we talk about winning and what drives winning i'll kind of start and you can really chase it and if you're willing to sacrifice you might might just catch it briefly mm -hmm. But I was telling this story to Greg in the athletic department this morning, and we were talking about winning. And, and I said, winning will invite you to the party, and you're going to be feeling good about yourself, and, and you're going to get to that party, and it's going to look like it's going to be a lot of fun. And once you get there, the, the doors are going to be locked, and the lights are going to be turned off, and you're going to have to start over again because winning is very temporary. And when we mm -hmm. talk about winning, we're not talking about the right side of the scoreboard. No, we're talking about in life. How can you win every day? What's winning mean to you? How, how do you achieve winning? Yeah, if you would have asked me this before I started, you know, working with you on your coaching staff, you know, four or five years ago, I would have really talked a lot about the right side of the scoreboard and, right. and all that. Uh, being a part of this program and being a part of your journey in coaching with our program and the programs in the past, it's really broken down into winning happens every day and it's a process. And that's awesome because you can stack up a lot of wins, but you can also stack up a lot of losses if you're not paying attention. And I think that's awesome. Winning to me is, is staying on an edge and, and staying intentional and trusting that there's a process. And I think every program now has adopted the term process as, as well as <laughs> culture and all that. But the awesome thing is I think in good programs and especially in great programs like here at Lansing, the process is so fluid where we're constantly tinkering with it and adding in new, new wrinkles and, and things like that. And, and that's winning to me is, is, is constantly just looking for an edge, finding the smallest little thing that we might have lost at. You know, we were looking at how guys were taking their leads the other day and, and small things like that and adding in those wrinkles and that detail oriented stuff that that's winning. That's that's what it is. And and that's a sacrifice that most programs don't make. And that's why they're only at the party for a short amount of time. And that's why generally winning people, teams, environments, whatever it might be, they have a hard time of it attaining it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's because they once they get to that spot of winning they forget everything that it took to get yeah. there and they forget about all the work that they put in so then that's why they're only there at that party for just a, a short period of time and yeah. you can see that repeated in history uh, through businesses you can see it repeated through sports teams for sure there's there's a great reason why it's super hard to win back-to-back -back championships in in any sports I mean it's just it's really super uncommon and I think one thing you know that I've looked at is like elite performers typically in elite teams elite environments they they have one thing in common and that's the ability to achieve the end result 
over and over and over. And you talk about like process and what process looks like, which process is another one of those words that I feel like just like culture, it's, it's overused. It's <laughs> yeah. not understood. If I drop process here, it sounds like uh, we're doing something special or, or something like that. But th with the elite performers being able to achieve the end result over and over, and that's owning the minute, owning the, yeah. the, the hour, owning the 24 hours, owning the next day, owning the week, owning the month, and just continuing. You might not win every second of your day, but yeah. but you got to keep achieving that end result over and over. And, and that's one of the things that really drives winning. There's nothing normal about winning. Uh, that, that was something that I read at one point. And it, if you need normal or to fit in, then get used to being in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Because that's what it looks like. Uh, there is nothing normal about winning. If you're going to win today, you've got to start all over tomorrow and do the same stuff that you did to win today. And then you've got to do a little bit more. And and pretty soon it becomes really hard seven days in to, to keep pushing the needle forward. But if you can do that consistently, if you can do it for 30 days, mm -hmm. your life will significantly change. Big time. And that and that's what that's what programs look like. You know, mm -hmm. look at legendary football programs or look at look at legendary basketball programs. Yeah. You know, think about like John Wooden's UCLA basketball <laughs> teams and, yeah. and all the stories that have come out about what they would do. Yeah. Think about process. You talk about process. I, I remember hearing stories about uh, Wooden would teach people how to put their socks on. Yes. That is process. Why would he teach them to how to put their socks on? So they wouldn't get blisters because their shoes were just not as good as what shoes are today, right? Yeah. Where, where yeah, you yeah. still get blisters, but, you, you know, you get the idea behind it. And, yeah. and, and if you want to talk process, that's what process looks like. Just dropping out, oh, we have a process. That, that, that isn't anything yeah that's when you, you you encourage kids you know with a big part of what we do here is is you know not only are we bringing kids into our program we're trying to help them you know get out of it and and a big part of of what we are trying to teach them while you're here is to ask those questions when you're on those recruiting visits i think if we have every kid takes off and goes and visits three or four schools, like you said, every single one of those schools is going to say, there's a process here, you know, buying into the process. And really a big thing that we push is ask, have those kids ask what the process is, right. you know, find what aligns with what they want and figure it out. You know, Brian had mentioned playing to a standard and not a scoreboard, and yeah. we had different words for that. But it, that is uh, super important. You know, last night at the time of this recording, we played, you know, a doubleheader yesterday and we mm -hmm. scored we scored 34 runs and had 30 some hits you know yeah in two games and from a baseball standpoint if you're like well you know 34 runs you know 30 hits that that's an amazing day didn't give up very many runs on the on the pitching side you know that's an amazing day mm -hmm. but we're not playing to uh the scoreboard we're mm -hmm. playing to standards yeah. and so practice today is not going to be a bunch of high fives about how well we hit or how well we pitch you know certainly we'll we'll hit on that stuff but today we're going to talk about the things that we didn't do because we deviated away from our standards yep. and went to the scoreboard and um that if you're going to define culture, you're going to define process. That that that's where the exclamation points are, and that that's Absolutely. what that's what makes LCC uncommon, and that's that's what makes our environment super super special. Yeah. Thank you, Mo, for uh, joining me today, and uh, thank you. Appreciate your insight, and look forward to seeing you on the diamond. Coach Cuts Corner is recorded live in the WLNZ studios. Engineering and production assistance are provided by Dedalian Lowry. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it and follow us on all the platforms of social media. You can find more about our program at lccstars.com. And donations to our baseball program can be made at the same site. See you next time. This has been a presentation of LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, 
vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ Studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.